foreign criminals can resist deportation from the UK on the basis of their human rights, particularly if they have family in the UK. The law in this area has been in a constant state of flux over the past few years, with the courts pumping out decisions that lean first one way and then the other. But now things have settled down a bit, touch wood, we wanted to take stock of the position on deportation and human rights in 2021. To brief us on the state of play, I'm joined by Nick Nason of Edgewater Legal, who writes for us regularly on deportation. Hey, Nick. Hey, CJ. So we're talking here about deportation in the technical legal sense of that term. So foreign nationals who have committed a criminal offence, not just people being removed from the UK because they have no permission to be here. And previously, we, we would also have distinguished between deportation of non-EU citizens and EU citizens, because there was a whole separate set of rules for EU citizens under free movement laws. Post-Brexit, presumably, it's just one set of rules for EU and non-EU alike? Post-Brexit, if you are an uh, EU national and you were resident in the UK prior to 31st of December 2020 and you've got settled status or pre-settled status, the framework that governs your deportation if you're if if you've committed a criminal offense and you're subject to deportation will depend on when the conduct uh, took place so if you are a european national with pre-settled or settled status and the conduct which gave rise to the deportation action took place before the 31st of december 2020 then you will essentially be able to avail yourself of the kind of previous european law regime which is much more generous than the non- European law regime. However, uh, even if you do have pre-settled or settled status, if if the conduct which which gave rise to the deportation action took place after, uh, on or after the 1st of January 2021, then essentially you will then be uh, subject to the the kind of general non-EU deportation framework. Okay, so there's still some UK residents who get to rely on these old liberal uh, EU protections against deportation, but going forward, we've broadly got one set of rules uh, across the board. And those rules are, can be a little bit complicated. There's there's different rules, really, depending on whether you've been sentenced to up to four years in prison, and then uh, a separate set of rules if you've been sentenced to more than four years in prison. Can you tell me a bit about that distinction? Yeah, so essentially, if you have been sentenced to four years or more in prison, you you need to show that there are very compelling circumstances in your case uh, in order to succeed in a a deportation appeal. Uh, If you have been convicted and sentenced to fewer than four years in prison, then you can rely on uh, broadly two exceptions, one relating to your private life or your integration in the UK, and the second one is in relation to your family relationships in the UK. And within the family relationships exception, you can rely on a relationship with a partner or you can rely on a relationship with a, a child, a qualifying child who's British or has been in the UK for more than seven years. And broadly, the or the test is that if you can show that the impact of your deportation on your partner or on your child would be unduly harsh, then you will meet the statutory exception to being deported and your appeal should be allowed. Perfect. And it's those two words, unduly harsh, that test of whether deportation would be unduly harsh on those family members that have really been discussed a lot in the courts. Uh, and that's what we will focus on today. What's the What's been the story of this concept of unduly harsh over the past few years? What have the courts uh, been saying about it? 
Uh, in terms of what unduly harsh means, uh, as you say, it's been subject to a huge amount of judicial scrutiny since it was introduced in in the summer of uh, 2014. The leading case is on, on, on the meaning of the, the phrase is essentially uh, KO Nigeria. It's still the leading case, uh, which is a Supreme Court authority. And essentially the way that Lord Carnworth approached, uh, who's giving the lead judgment, the test, was he basically said that one is looking for a degree of harshness going beyond what would necessarily be involved for any child faced with the deportation of a parent. So it essentially required an assessment of what the impact would be on the hypothetical child of a person who is being deported. So that's our starting point is this Supreme Court decision in KO Nigeria. When was that decided? So that was at the end of 2018. Okay. And so, and reading your articles around that time and, and since then, kind of 2018, 19, the upshot of Lord Carnwatt's interpretation of unduly harsh seemed to be that it was, it was pretty hard for people to uh, avoid deportation if they're relying on this test, right? Yeah. So uh, the kind of lower courts and that, the, mainly the upper tribunal and the court of appeal took what Lord Carnwatt said in a very literal way. And the outcome was essentially uh, pretty draconian and it was extremely difficult to succeed uh, in the way that the test was applied. So, for example, a, a case called KF Nigeria, which is a, a court of appeal case from 2019, they said, you know, given the changes to the law as, uh, as interpreted by the Supreme Court, it's necessary to look for consequences characterized by a degree of harshness over and beyond what every child would experience in such uh, circumstances. And then you've got case, uh, cases uh, following that, such as PG Jamaica, where the Court of Appeal basically held that great distress and difficulties would be what every child would experience in these circumstances. So essentially what you would have to do if, if, if I was representing a client is I'd have to go beyond what showing great distress and, and great difficulties which was kind of priced in to this uh, equation. And uh, a good example of that would, would be KF Nigeria, another 2019 Court of Appeal authority, where it was, essentially, it was accepted by, by, by all parties that the, the child whose parent was being deported in that case you know, would suffer from trauma and it would potentially have long-lasting adverse consequences. That was acceptable for the Court of Appeal because it was likely to arise in every case where a child was deprived of a parent. And so even in that Court of Appeal case, the, the judge said, you know, having spent many years practicing in the family jurisdiction, it's not a comfortable interpretation to apply, but that's what Parliament has decided. So really, it was extremely difficult to succeed in cases where this KO Nigeria test was being interpreted literally in the, in the way that it was. Yeah, so even if you had a child who was going to be quite badly traumatised by losing a parent to deportation, that wasn't unduly harsh. That was just harsh, I suppose. You had to go really, really... F you'd find really, really extreme facts to succeed. Yeah, it was it, it was duly harsh, as it were. Um, that's what the what was priced into every deportation case. Uh, and... Uh, it just created this situation where judges were looking at sets of facts 
in front of them and comparing them to what they believed would be a kind of hypothetical child in in the situation of a uh, of a deported parent and what the impact would be on that on that child and then seeing if the facts that they had in front of them went beyond that which is an extremely high bar and it's unsurprising you know we talk about the number of cases that have come uh, have come up in in relation to this provision just you know going through the cases in 2019 alone uh, you know it felt like we were riding up on free movement you know deportation cases a couple of times a month uh, such was the regularity of the kind of judicial uh, comment on on this on this particular phrase absolutely so that was i suppose the the bad old days but then fast forward to september 2020 the game changes there's a case called ha iraq also in the court of appeal and that took a different approach to this whole interpretation of unduly harsh yeah so ha iraq is a great case um to read and not just because uh it helps uh, the clients who who you know who are who are battling already pretty difficult odds to succeed in deportation cases but it it basically is lord justice underhill in, in the in the court of appeal has basically taken this issue and he could see what's going on here and he's he's kind of fixed it uh he's kind of said like the the, the way that it's being interpreted in the supreme court doesn't make any sense and he's actually so so what what he says is basically that what lord Carnworth, uh has has kind of formulated as a test it can't be read entirely literally and he says it's hard to see how one would define the level of harshness that would necessarily be suffered by any child indeed he says one can imagine unusual cases where the deportation of a parent would not be harsh for the child at all the underlying concept is clearly of an enhanced degree of harshness sufficient to outweigh the public interest in the deportation of foreign criminals so he basically he takes away the comparative exercise uh, which prior to H.A. Iraq that's how it was being interpreted so there's lots of other so it, basically anyone who's involved in any deportation work must read H.A. Iraq it's a it's a it's got loads of other really interesting really important passages you know including things like the importance of British citizenship and the best interest uh, assessment the it confirms the 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 proportionality in the proportionality balance, the seriousness of the relevant funding is established by the level of sentence. It's it, it basically it's the you know there's a best interest of the child uh, concurring judgment from Lord Justice Peter Jackson, which is really important also. Uh, so basically, anyone who is involved in deportation cases really should be I would suggest reading that. Yeah, we do our best to do it justice in a 20-minute podcast, but uh, sadly the, the law doesn't quite work like that. Um, but we have the basic point of what it did. It took away this hypothetical um, normal child reaction to losing a parent, uh, took, took that weird comparison out of the equation. And there's been cases since HA Iraq confirming that approach, right? Saying this isn't a one-off, this is our new approach to this unduly harsh test. So AA Nigeria um, confirmed that that is the correct approach. Uh, also, a court of appeal authority, and then also KB Jamaica, also court of appeal authority. And in KB Jamaica, it really provides a pretty neat summary of where we are. So if you don't have time to read H. Rack, then KB Jamaica has got a really good summary, just the kind of five paragraphs on how the test should be uh, approached at this stage. 
So HA Iraq and those couple of subsequent cases are helpful for people resisting deportation, but they're just court of appeal cases, right? So what happens if there's another Supreme Court case that overrules them? What if HA Iraq itself goes to the Supreme Court? Do we know uh, whether there's a chance that this whole area is, is reopened again? So at the moment, uh, we understand that there is an application for permission to appeal by the Secretary of State to the Supreme Court and that that application for permission to appeal is pending. If uh, permission is granted, then there will be a further Supreme Court hearing on uh, the the issue, likely to be essentially whether HA Iraq was correct in its interpretation of K in Nigeria. If permission is refused, then uh, I guess that there is still then a possibility that there is some uh, possibility of conflicting interpretation of, you know, as between KO Nigeria, which is saying that there's a comparative test and a comparative element, arguably, and HA Iraq, where Lord Justice Underhill was saying uh, that in reality, there is no comparative test or requirement. Okay. So ideally, we'd like this a Supreme Court case basically confirming the HA Iraq approach. I think ideally, that's what uh, I think would be useful here. Yeah. This is all a very highfalutin, right? Court of Appeals, Supreme Courts, unduly harsh test interpretation, etc. What's the practical effect of the HA Iraq decision in terms of deportation decisions, decisions of the lower courts? How is it filtering down? Is it making it easier to resist deportation in practice, do we think? So I'd say, uh, anecdotally, I would say I've heard that it is, but uh, and, that, and that kind of makes sense just from a reading of how the law is now supposed to be interpreted. You know, previously it was extremely difficult to succeed now it's still difficult but at least you're, you you've got a shot basically uh, so it makes sense that there would be more successful appellants people who are appealing their deportation uh, decisions um, but it's difficult at this stage to say with any certainty how far it's fil- filtering down um, but one interestingly one of the uh, key uh, takeaways in KB Jamaica which kind of summarized where we are is is it said that there's no reason in principle why cases of undue hardship may not occur quite commonly. Uh, and that was, that's an echo that's echoed from AA Nigeria as well. Like this, these types of uh, cases uh, where undue hardship, you know, hardship is in, is there and can be found. doesn't have to be exceptional. The test isn't exceptionality. Uh, you know, you could have undue harshness in lots of different uh, cases. So it's really about trying to put in as, you know, from a from a, uh, a legal point of view for your clients, putting in as much evidence as possible to give you the best chance of success in uh, in showing that undue harshness exists in your particular case. Absolutely. Unfortunately, anecdotal evidence of the effect of uh, HRAC in those subsequent cases is uh, the best we can do because the published deportation statistics don't actually tell you about the success rate of deportation appeals, which is unhelpful. Um, but it's Good to have a sense that on the ground things are improving for appellants. And uh, we will watch this space. Um, thanks very much, Nick. We will leave it there. Nick Nason from Edgewater Legal. And if you found this podcast helpful, we have many more resources on all things deportation on www.freemovement.org.uk. You can access many of them free, but you can also join as a member if you go to forward slash join uh, reasonable rates available. 
Uh, we'll be back with the next episode of this podcast. It'll be our monthly roundup with myself and our editor, Colin Yeo, on the 14th of May. Until then, thanks for listening.